you have your Bibles with you, please open to 1 Peter. We'll be in beginning chapter 5 this morning. Probably only just a few more messages in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 5. Decided afterwards. Can I be surprised to you? I'm going to go on to 2 Peter. Seems appropriate. As one of the first elders, the first elders of the church, Peter was no stranger to suffering himself. As an apostle, Peter was a lightning rod for persecution, drawing the anger of Jews and Gentiles alike. Peter had been imprisoned multiple times. He had been beaten. At least he had been on death row twice. One time, church history tells us it ended with his crucifixion, unwilling to be killed the way that Jesus was. Church history tells us he asked to be crucified upside down. There's much we don't know about the persecution that the many churches of Asia Minor were going through. That's modern-day Turkey. There's much we don't know about that, yet Peter called the elders of those churches to be faithful to fulfill their ministry. And he would be able to sympathize with them of the difficulty of an elder going through suffering. Likely, like Peter had been, those elders were on the front line of suffering. Likely that those elders were the ones who were called in to explain what this new sect of Judaism was teaching. They were maybe the first to be thrown in jail. Because of the suffering that these elders faced as they cared for God's people, Peter gave them particular instruction and particular encouragement. And that is what we're going to focus on this morning. And we're going to be looking at 1 Peter 5, really verses 1 through 4, but there's three commands in verses 1 through 5. There's a command in verse 2, and I'm going to read through the whole thing in a minute. There's a command in verse 2 for elders to shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight. The first command in this section is to elders to shepherd the flock of God. The second command is in verse 5 at the end of this paragraph. The command is to the flock to be subject to their elders. And then there's a third command at the end of verse 5. It's a command to the whole church to clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. And these three commands make the major thrust of this passage. Now next week, Lord willing, we're going to focus on those three commands that Peter gives. What it means for elders to shepherd, what it means for the flock to be subject, and what it means for everyone to be clothed in humility as they work out this, this elder sheep, the shepherd sheep relationship. We're going to look at God's plan to care for his church and how God accomplishes that plan through humility in these authority relationships. But this week, I want to focus not so much on the command to elders in verses 2 and 3, but on the encouragement that Peter gives to, to the elders in, in verses 1 and then again in verse 4. And Peter does one of these classic encouragement sandwiches. He says some, some, some hard and challenging things, but he 
precedes and follows up with encouragement. We're going to look at that encouragement four in verses one and four. Really, the biggest reason is because it looked like it was just going to be too much to try to accomplish all this. We're going to start with the encouragement. I'm going to read 1 Peter 5, verses one through five now. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Nor yet is lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men likewise be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble." Let's pray. Now, Father, we thank you once again for the word that you've preserved for us this morning. We thank you, Father, that you care about the functioning of this church, this, this, this portion of Jesus' flock. We thank you, Father, that by your grace we seek to be faithful here, following your plan that, that elders would lead and that your flock would follow. And Lord, we want to do this well. We do pray this morning as, as we start a couple of weeks here looking at these instructions and, and how we're to do that, uh, as we focus on encouragement this morning, uh, Lord, I ask that uh, we would indeed be encouraged, that the elders would be encouraged, that those who aspire to be elders would be encouraged, and really that all, all here who seek to be faithful stewards of the gifts that you've given them, of stewards of the manifold grace of God, uh, would be encouraged. We thank you, Father, for your word. Help us to have ears that are here. Help us to be faithful uh, to apply uh, what is taught this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Peter begins in verse 1 with a therefore. And so when we see that therefore, we want to look back and say, well, what is he building this appeal on? And like I said, likely it was that the elders were on the front line of, of suffering, that they were the ones who were dragged into court when a charge was brought against Christians, that when they were looking for someone to be held responsible, it would have been often one of the elders. Well, what's this therefore here for? At the end of chapter 4, Peter had finished saying, and then his instructions of suffering we looked at several weeks from verses 12 through 19, Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Therefore, so the elders needed to, to exemplify for God's people both that trust in their faithful creator, but also that commitment to doing good. So they were supposed to example that for the flock. But it's also possible that that therefore goes even further back in what we'd looked at last week in verse 17, for it's time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, and perhaps Peter is then turning attention to say, well, if judgment begins with the household of God, where in the household of God does that begin with? Well, we as men know as leaders of our home that the responsibility begins with us. And in the church, it begins with elders. And so that's perhaps also what Peter's thinking as he calls them to. If, if God is, is, is testing his people, if he's going in the process of judging his people, demonstrating that they actually belong to him, well, that judgment is going to begin with those whom he has called to lead his church, the elders. So it's not surprising that the testing of God's flock would begin with the shepherds that God has appointed. 
Peter's appeal in verse 1 is to the elders, to, to, to the elders among you. Elder, or it is the word pres, pres, Buteroi in the Greek is the most common uh, term in the New Testament for the leaders of the church. It refers to an office, not an age, which may be surprising when you hear the word elder, but in, in the New Testament, the focus is that as an office. Its root is in the Jewish synagogue, that they had elders, and so as the early church was organized into local portions of God's flock, that that term came over, it seems, from the synagogue. There's two other terms we see in the New, in, in the New Testament. One is overseer or, or episcopoi, and the other is pastor, which, is, uh, which means shepherd. So we've got shepherd, overseer, shepherd or pastor, Overseer, which is also the word that can be translated as bishop, and elders, and they all refer to the same office. The word elder is consistently used in the plural in the New Testament. And it's very clear as you look at all those verses describing elders together that God's pattern for the local church is a, a, a plurality of men who are called elders. Of the... Descriptions given to elders, there's only one, one distinction among elders. And it's not really saying that there's elders and super elders or there's elders and pastors. All those terms refer to the same group of men. But there is a distinction that some elders could be paid. We see that in 1 Timothy 5.17. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those, or, uh, those who work hard at preaching and teaching. So all elders are to be gifted teachers it is part of what God says about elders that they are apt to teach. But some elders are to be freed from their other work so that they can work hard at teaching. And I am one of those elders here at Cornerstone Bible Church, an elder that has been freed up so that I can work. And that's really the only distinction uh, we call me a pastor, but really elders, pastors, and overseers are all the, uh, the same term. Well, they're all different terms referring to the same office. Peter starts referring to the elders. He says, I exhort the elders among you, and uses the word exhort. He's using a word that has encouragement with it. He's urging them. He's imploring them. He's exhorting them. He's calling on them. He could have used the word commanded. I command you, but he didn't need to. Because he was confident that these elders would respond to the exhortation that he was giving. Responding to exhortation is a mark of spiritual maturity. And elders are to be those who exemplify spiritual maturity for the flock. He didn't have to say to them, I command you, so he exhorts them. And I don't want to, 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 to parse the meaning too much there, but it, it is an exhortation he gives to these men who are eager to be pleasing to, to the Lord. Now, he doesn't proceed to give what the exhortation is before giving encouragement to them. So he starts with encouragement. So this morning in 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 4, we're going to see four ways the Apostle Paul encourages the elders. Four ways the Apostle Paul encourages the elders. And you might be like, well, I'm not an elder, so what am I doing here? Is this going to be encouraging for you? And by God's grace, it will be. But we have three so that's this morning. There's kind of three purposes. And one is that I want my fellow elders here at Cornerstone Bible Church to be encouraged. 
And I wanted to see them persevere in their ministry, just as Peter was writing, so that these elders would be encouraged and persevere in their ministry. So that's one so that. There's another so that. And so that men who are here, who aspire to become elders, will be eager to join us. And that may be true whether you're 20 or 40 or 60. That men who aspire to become elders will be encouraged, that you'll seek to be equipped, that you'll want to be tested, and that you'll want to join us. Because we are always going to need to be replenishing from our own flock elders. So that's something that I hope that as you see this encouragement, you say, well, maybe I should consider becoming an elder. I see what elders do. I want to be caring for the flock too. Now, that doesn't mean that you just raise your hand and become an, an elder. We'll work with you that, through that process. But that's, we want to see that group added to. And three, there's, there's another so that. So that everyone who is a steward of the manifold grace of God, which is you, if you are in Jesus Christ, if you have been saved, and we saw this in 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11, you are a steward of the manifold grace of God. God has given you gifts that you are to use for the body, whether they are speaking gifts or whether they are serving gifts. And really what Peter says to the elders is going to be encouraging to all of us to the extent that you use your gifts. If you are using your gifts in one another's lives, you're going to be encouraged this, this morning. It won't be exactly the, 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 the same reason, but you're going to find lots of ways uh, you can be encouraged from how Peter encourages the elders. So I want everyone who's a steward of the manifold grace of God, which includes all of you, if you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've been regenerated by God's spirit, if you have new life, you've been gifted by him. And so I hope that you will be encouraged and that you'll persevere in using your gifts. So let's look at the first way that the Apostle Peter encourages the elders. And the first way is the encouragement of Continuity, the encouragement of continuity, encouragement of continuity. You know, it's funny when you want to change something in your notes and there's a marker here, but it's a big calligraphy kind of pen thing. It doesn't work so well. Encouragement of continuity. We see that as Peter starts in, so kind of getting into the second part of the verse. Therefore, I exhort, I urge the elders among you as your fellow elder. Now notice that P Peter begins with such humility as your fellow elder. He emphasizes what they had in common, not what distinguished him. He didn't pull out as he knocks on their door the apostle badge, but kind of flip it open and show an apostle badge. No, he says, I'm your fellow elder. It's similar how Paul often referred to those who worked along with him as his fellow workers and fellow soldiers and fellow slaves. As far as we know, this is a term that Peter coins here. He makes this term himself. These are my fellow elders. As an elder, Peter also led the flock. He led the flock by shepherding, by teaching, by protecting, by providing oversight. He relied upon the same tools he devoted himself to the ministry of the word and prayer. And so what comfort to be called a fellow elder by Peter. So elders who are here this morning, we are in good company. Peter, the apostle, would write to us as his fellow elders. Men who will someday join us. You are in good company. 
he would write to you as his fellow elders. See, we do the same shepherding work that Peter did. The same shepherding work that our brothers in ancient Asia Minor did. We are fellow elders with those throughout church history. There's been 2,000 years of being fellow elders. We are fellow elders with those around the world today. So there is this continuity in our being elders. Our office comes from God. We didn't design this office. We didn't make this up. We exalt the same Savior. We preach the same word. We, the same spirit who dwells in Peter and those first century elders dwells in us. We rely on the same tools. We utilize the same strength that God supplies. We confront the same sins. We cry the same tears. You could put them all in the same bottle. And one of them be like, oh, wow, there's some, there's some 20th century tears in there. We cling to the same hope. We serve the same chief shepherd. And there's incredible encouragement. That's true for us here in this church. That's true for many, many other churches across America and across the world. And we are part of really something that's, that's epic, right? I mean, this is the right word of the use of epic. God's kingdom is advancing. And it has been advancing and it will continue to advance. So when we become elders, we join this continuity with the past, and it's thrilling to be part of. The same God who preserved Peter until the end of his ministry will preserve you in your ministry. And that's not just to the elders, that's to all of us. So we are encouraged by this continuity we have with the past. So men who aspire to this shepherding work, and by God's grace there's some of you here, become our fellow elders It's true that that there are qualifications. You must be an example to the flock. You need to be a mature Christian. You need to be able to teach. You need to be ready to refute false doctrine. But if you aspire to this task, as as, uh, Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3, if you aspire to to this work of shepherding, then now in your lives continue to to, to, to pursue maturity in your life. Pursue maturity, pursue a life that pleases the Lord. Work at growing in doctrine. Be a reader. If you need good books to read, I'll I'll tell you a whole bunch. Be a man who's busy reading. Grow in your understanding of God's word. Test your giftedness. Come to the elders and say, I want to see if I am good at refuting doctrine, if I am apt at teaching. We have places in the church where we could use you. Test your giftedness. Disciple faithfully. If you want to be faithful in shepherding the whole church, be faithful in shepherding those around you now. Even for some of you starting with your family. And then tell the elders. Come and talk to me or one of the other elders and say, I am interested in starting on this process of becoming a elder. Can we have lunch? This is God's plan for the church to be replenished. And really by doing that, we can seek to expand his kingdom further. So if you aspire, please come and talk to us. I'm not saying, well, I'll make you an elder next month. 
we'll go through a process. But some of you have seen that, some of you haven't. And we want to walk through with you if you are one of those who should be our fellow elder because God has gifted you. And for all of us, I trust by God's grace that there's something encouraging for you here this morning in this continuity that I and Huey and Francis and Hyun are the ones that Peter would write to his fellow elders. And Lord willing, there will be others of us here, right? Peter says to me, hey, Isaiah, fellow elder, I don't deserve that. But you should be all encouraged that there's a continuity there. See, we are committed as elders of Cornerstone Bible Church to this ministry that's handed down to us from our chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. This is a ministry that's been preserved for us in his word, that's been communicated by the apostles, and we want to be faithful to that. We are committed here at Cornerstone to doing ministry the way that it has always been done by those who do ministry God's way. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 5, And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that is our commitment here. Paul continues, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. We are committed to keeping that continuity with the past. That we will do ministry the same way that Paul did it, the same way that Peter did it. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And we as elders want to be able to commend ourselves to all of yours conscience, to every man's conscience in the sight of God, that we are doing ministry God's way, that we are not going to adulterate the word of God. We're not going to hide. We're going to say hard things, and we're going to exalt Christ and preach him only. By God's grace, we're going to preserve this continuity for an upcoming generation by doing what Paul calls us to in 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. All the elders now are between 40 and 50. We are going to be looking, are looking for who are the men we're going to entrust this ministry to so that when we're 60 and 70, There are new elders here in Cornerstone Bible Church that we can entrust this, entrust to faithful men with the things we've heard. So we should be encouraged. And this is really, I think, all in this idea of being fellow elders. We do the same ministry in the same way. And we should be encouraged, all of us, by this continuity we have. It is God who keeps his church advancing. But by God's grace, we're going to keep using God's means to accomplish God's ends. So we have this encouragement of being fellow elders, of this continuity with this 2,000-year-old apostle, Peter. There's also the encouragement of Christ's sufferings, the encouragement of Christ's suffering. See, Peter continues, Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ. One of the great things about working through verses is, and, and doing expository preaching, where we want to explain it to you so that you know why it's theirs, you have to scratch your head sometimes. Why does he say this? A witness of the sufferings of Christ. Now, there are ways in which every Christian is a witness of the suffering of Christ. A witness testifies to what they know is true. 
So we are all here witnesses of the sufferings of Christ. That is what we do when we proclaim the gospel, when we tell the good news of Christ dying to take the punishment that sinners deserved of being resurrected. We witness to the sufferings of Christ. Peter was one of those who had firsthand seen with his own eyes the sufferings of Christ. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us exactly who, which of the disciples were, were there when Jesus was crucified. We know John was. It's, it's the only one that was clear. We don't know if others were in the background. Uh, we know that they scattered, uh, and we know eventually that Peter, Peter denies Christ. But he had seen Christ suffer. He had seen with his own eyes Christ suffer continual dishonor, being slandered and rejected. People accused Jesus, the only righteous man, of blaspheming God. He, Peter had, was there. I, I say he saw it. He did see it until he dozed off. Saw Jesus pleading with the Father if there be any way for him to not take on man's wrath that God would, would find another way. Peter was there when Judas betrayed Jesus. Peter had seen from the courtyard in the distance the trial of Jesus going on, swearing that he didn't know Jesus. He was part of the suffering that Jesus went through. Peter was there when he experienced the, the darkness of that day, perhaps from a distance, when God's wrath was poured out on his son. He had seen, after the resurrection of Christ, the nail person pierced hands. Peter was a witness of the sufferings of Christ. But we still have to ask ourselves, why does Peter say this, though? And perhaps Peter is confirming the gospel is true. I saw it. I was there. And that is encouraging, right? Peter is a valid witness. He saw the sufferings of Christ. So that could be, and it's encouraging, Perhaps Peter is, is encouraging them by saying, I'm proclaiming the same message. I'm doing the same ministry you, you're doing. I'm a witness to the sufferings of Christ, and you are all witnesses of the sufferings of Christ too. And that's encouraging. But I think that Peter is encouraging them once again, as he's done many times in the book, suffering is God's plan. Suffering is God's plan. It was God's plan for his son and is God's plan for his saints. Peter had seen the faultless son of God suffer. The only one of whom God had spoken. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Peter was a witness of the most disturbing injustice the earth has ever seen. The only obedient son of God treated as God's enemy. So when he says, witness of the sufferings of Christ, we get used to that and we should just, our jaw should drop. Christ suffered. He deserved none of that. See, brothers and sisters, suffering is not evidence of the Lord's displeasure. Now, suffering can be evidence of the Lord's discipline. Right? The Lord can use suffering to chastise us. Hebrews 12 talks about the discipline of the Lord. It's still because he loves us. 
I uh, ha ha had a professor in, in seminary that uh, when, when someone would ask him, is God using the suffering to discipline me? He would say, well, are you, are you living in sin? Because if you're living in sin, then sure. But all suffering is not discipline from the Lord. It's part of his training. When Christ suffered, it was not the Lord's discipline. It was, it, was, it, was, it was not because he had to be chastised. See, Peter was a witness of the righteous suffering. That Jesus suffered. If it was God's will that his beloved son should suffer, we should not fear when we suffer. And elders, fellow elders... You know that eldering can be hard. And I'm not here to say this for sympathy. I'm here to encourage you. And that's how Peter was encouraging them. I saw Christ suffer. So don't be surprised. Don't, don't be surprised when it's hard. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is 3 John verse 4. Third John verse 4. I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children walking in the truth. As the Apostle John writing, as, and as an elder, I think it's part of what makes elders' hearts beat. There's no greater joy than knowing that their children, and he's not talking about their, that the flock is walking in the truth. And so I'd like to encourage the fellow elders here to persevere, to persevere when tough things happen, to persevere, and this happens when people leave the church without saying goodbye. I can think of brother and sister who this is our last Sunday here with us today, but they communicated it to us and they got input from us and our hearts are so sad to see them leave. That's a joy compared to what happens when brothers and sisters just leave and never come back. That's so hard on elders. That's, that's the suffering that elders go through. When, when, when our children don't walk in the truth, when we plead and we beg and we say, please take up your word and feed yourself. Please let me spoon feed you from God's word. And that's rejected. When, when, when we think that you're doing fine, and you don't tell us whether you're spiritually healthy or not. When you hide your sins. When you don't listen to the pleas from God's word. And this I don't mean as an exhortation or rebuke to any of you. This is just, I think what Peter's getting at the heart of when he says, I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Guys, I know it's going to be hard. And fellow elders, I know it's going to be hard. Fellow care group leaders, I know it's going to be hard. Anyone who's involved in a discipling relationship, I know it's going to be hard. You can read through, through 2 Timothy, such a good book for this. Peter, uh, Paul there talks about all the suffering he's going through as people leave him and Demas left him because of the, of the love of the world and others are, are, are causing strife. You know, there's nothing worse than when one of our own, a brother or sister in Christ, I don't mean leaving the church is... It, is, is, is easy to handle compared to leaving the faith. That, that is, I think, the worst suffering that any elder can go through. 
when you when 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 you disciple and when you are involved in shepherding and when you elder you're blessed to have the joy that Paul had with the Philippians sometimes you have the discouragement that he had with the Corinthians and sometimes you have the heartbreak that Paul had when when Demas or these others left him when he was all alone Don't let suffering keep you on the sidelines of discipleship. Don't let suffering keep you on the sidelines of discipleship. Don't let that stop you from, from, from stretching yourself as a care group leader or stretching yourself from reaching out to, to a brother or serving in a ministry here or stepping up and saying, I aspire to be an elder too. If Christ suffered, we can be encouraged that we can suffer too. The chief shepherd suffered, so will the under shepherds. We're privileged to suffer with him. I hope that's encouraging. Maybe it's not. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to suffer along with Christ doing his work. There's the encouragement of continuity. There's the encouragement of Christ's suffering. But there's the encouragement of participation. There's the encouragement of participation. It's at the end of verse 1. And really, what Paul does here in the Greek is interesting. So he, he says, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ. And it's kind of like that's one phrase there as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ. And then he has another phrase, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. And it's clear that the sufferings of Christ is, is building into this being partaker also of the glory that's to be revealed. That's what we've seen in 1 Peter again and again. Suffering and glory, suffering and glory. is a constant theme. But he separates this. And I think it's, it's valuable for us to separate it a little bit in our thinking too. It draws attention to it. And it's the encouragement of partaking, of participation, of partnering in glory. He says that it is a glory that is to be revealed. And, and remember, he's talking this to the fellow elders. Yes, yes, I'm a witness of the sufferings, but I'm also a partaker of the glory to be revealed. And you all, we're a witness to the sufferings of Christ. We didn't firsthand see him, but we are participating in that same suffering and we also will be partakers of the glory that is to be revealed. To be revealed, it's destined. It is inevitable. It is unstoppable. Matthew 25, verse 31. There's so many verses talk about the return of Christ. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And that is the glory that we are looking forward to participating in. It is our blessed hope, Titus 2.13. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. I hope that even those words, and that Titus 2 passage is, is a tremendous passage to, 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 to memorize. It's like Titus 2, 11 to 14. If you need a passage to memorize, it's a great passage there. It ends thrilling. I can hardly say those last words there. The blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to be a partaker in that. That's what Peter says. I'm a partaker in that. A partner. I'm a participant in 
Peter has blood-bought stock in that glory. He's a shareholder in that glory. Jesus purchased his ownership of a participation in that glory with his own blood for Peter. And he did it for us too so that we can be partners in that glory. Now, Peter was already a participant past tense. He had already seen that glory displayed. Peter had seen that glory displayed even before the resurrection of Christ. He saw it when Jesus was transfigured in Matthew 17, verse 2. Jesus was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments become as white as light. Then verse 5 and 6 of Matthew 17. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell down to the ground and were terrified. See, they had already seen a display of Christ's glory. He had seen Christ in his glorified body after his resurrection. Peter was a worshiper who longed to see Christ's glory again. Remember, he talked about this in 1 Peter 1, verse 8. He, 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 along with those he was writing to, though you've not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. And that is what the believer does. We, we look forward to when we see Christ. And really, poor, poor Peter. I mean, really, our experience is easy. I mean, compared to Peter, Peter had seen Christ glorified, and then he left him. Have you ever seen one of those tear-jerking videos on social media where, 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 where they're filming the kid as the parent returns from, from, from being deployed in the military, and I'm like, oh my goodness, you just start crying. Can you imagine if that dad just said, okay, I got to go? That's what Peter had to experience. He saw the resurrected Christ, and Christ is like... Guys, I got to go. Like, what? Is there anything more heartbreaking than that? Peter longed, when would he see the Lord Jesus again? See, he knew that he was going to be a participant in that display of glory. And so are all of us who are in Christ Jesus. Peter was going to be a participant in that display of glory, but also in the transformation of glory. He was going to be a participant in the display of glory, but also the transformation of glory. See, in Scripture, the, the glorification of Christ is inseparable from the glorification of the saints. It is uncanny how many times these two ideas uh, are, 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 are linked together. I'm going to read a few. 1 John 3, verse 2. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. When our eyes see Christ as he is, we will be transformed. Colossians 3 verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. We're going to be just shown who we are without any trappings of this sinful flesh remaining. We'll, we'll be conformed to his image. Philippians 3, verse 20 to 21. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Jesus' power over the universe is going to be exerted to transform us into the likeness of himself. 
at his return. Romans 8.18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's to be revealed to us. There's that theme, sufferings and glory. Romans 8.29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. We would be conformed to his image. 2 Corinthians 4.17, again, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. My language isn't good enough to explain this and my mind is too small to understand what this is going to be like. That we're going to see Christ and we're going to become like Christ. That we're going to participate in his glory. That his glory will become our glory. Of course, he's the glory of deity. We will be his creatures. But to be made like him. That broken mirror restored, reflecting his glory back to him. If we love him, that's what we long for. We want him to get all the glory. So why did Peter emphasize here this participation to his fellow elders? He's not taunting them. He's not saying, I am going to be a participant. Sorry about all of you. You'll, you'll be left out. It's because we're all caught between the already and the not yet. We've seen glory but not been transformed by the glory to the way that we will be. See, the sufferings of Christ guarantee our participation in glory. This is where, 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 where Peter's already been in 1 Peter 1, verses 10 through 12. He said, and, and, and he's talking about the Old Testament prophets, they prophesied of the grace that would come to you, made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know, this, this is what the Old Testament prophets did, what person or time, or the time or circumstances, the spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. That's what the Old Testament prophets did. They prophesied the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. Verse 12 of chapter 1, it was, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. This whole pattern of suffering and glory, Christ's suffering and our glorification, this is what the angels long to look into. This is where all of human history is going. And Peter wants you to be encouraged by that. The hope of the apostles is the hope of all saints. Christ has suffered so Christ will be glorified. Christ has suffered so we will be glorified. So what should we do for that? Well, let's go back to 1 Peter 1, where Peter goes next after 10 through 12. Verse 13, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Glory will follow. Christ is coming and we will be glorified. You will participate in eternally soul-satisfying display of glory. You will participate in the eternally God-pleasing transformation of glory. Maybe you've seen a, a, a stunning painting or you see a, 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 a sunset that's just startling. You just stop dead in your tracks or you listen to music that actually you feel like, like I think I just lost a breath, like, like my heart may have stopped there for a minute. It's so beautiful. And when we do that, maybe we're changed, right? Just a little, right? Like, you're, you're, you're a slightly different person than you were before. Maybe some of you can, can, can have experienced that. Maybe for some of you, it's in like a thrilling sports moment. You're like, I think I'm a little bit different. 
But what happens when we see the glory of Christ, when we participate in that, that transformation will be infinite in comparison, infinite happiness in seeing Christ, and unthinkable holiness in becoming like Christ. God's children are participants in this glory to be revealed, and we should be encouraged by that. There's also the encouragement of of reward. And we see that in verse 4, the encouragement of of reward. You know, I'm not going to get there. I just don't have enough time this morning to to get to the encouragement of reward in verse 4. So that works good because I'm jumping ahead to verse 4 anyways, which would have been strange. So... Um. I hope that you're encouraged this morning by these first three points. There's this this continuity with the past. That by God's grace, we are doing the same thing here. It's going to look different. This looks different from other churches I've been in. This probably looks different from other churches that you've been in. It's going to look different. But that we are fellow elders along with those. We're fellow sheep along with other past sheep. We're going to be committed to the same ministry, doing the ministry in the same way. There's the encouragement of Christ's suffering. Peter wanted to say it again here. He's talking about suffering the whole book. He said, I saw Christ suffer, so don't be surprised when you suffer, particularly fellow elders. It's, it's true for all of us. If you are going to work hard in ministering to the brothers and sisters in Christ, you will be, you will suffer. Your heart is going to ache with their burdens. Sometimes you'll know the joy of them walking in the truth. And sometimes your heart will be broken because they're not walking in the truth. I know in the first century world, they went through way more sufferings. You hear about John Bunyan being imprisoned for years away from his family. Martyrs being burned at the stake. Most of our suffering is is in caring for the body. We shouldn't be surprised if we suffer those little things compared to Christ's suffering, but we get to be participants in the glory that's to be revealed. I hope you're encouraged by that participation in the glory to be revealed. There's nothing more certain in the universe than Christ coming back. And when he comes, we are going to be like him. We will see his glory. Our hearts will be happier than they've ever been. And then we'll become like him and we'll worship him better than we've ever worshiped him. Let's pray. Now, dear Father, I thank you uh, for your word. And Lord, you know that I want to do uh, justice to why Peter says this. He knew that elders needed encouragement. And you know, Lord, uh, whether my brothers here needed encouragement this morning. And yet, Lord, it's not elders alone uh, who work hard for the good of the flock. And that really we should all be being spent for one another. We should all be poured out on that uh, sacrifice of the offering of the saints, Lord. That we should be that pleasing aroma to you as we are spent and being spent for one another. Father, there is no pretense in scripture. Paul talks about it so, 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 so honestly in 2 Timothy. Here, Peter talks about it so honestly throughout this whole book. Uh, but... Lord, if it was your plan for Christ to suffer, we are confident that glory will follow. And so we thank you that we get to participate. Um, and, and, P- and Paul says this, filling up uh, in, in, um, 
the, the afflictions of Christ. It's not that we save anyone with anything that we do, uh, but that his grace needs to be communicated. And so we want to be faithful. I want to be faithful as an elder. I know my fellow elders want to be faithful in communicating your grace. I pray, Father, that there would be overall a, a desire to be participants in communicating grace to, to one another, Lord that each of your flock here would be so well-fed, Lord, that they would be at the streams of your word, Lord, that they would be Psalm 1 uh, people, Lord, that they would just be uh, so well satisfied with you that they would be overflowing in ministry to one another, Lord, that they would uh, be even blessed. And there is, there is a blessing in it, Lord, this blessing of partaking in Christ's sufferings as, as, as our hearts break too for our, for our brothers and sisters. Lord, there are brothers and sisters uh, here uh, among us who our hearts are breaking for. Uh, Lord, I thank you so much for the joy of seeing, uh, seeing brothers walk in the truth, Lord, uh, be repentant and respond in grace, Lord. But then uh, there's also uh, uh, others who desperately need to see Christ clearly, Lord, and we pray for that, Lord. Father, I pray that you would encourage my brothers and sisters here today by this participation in glory. I pray, Father, that they would see more of Christ in your word in this upcoming week. Lord, I pray that their minds would be saturated with his beauty. I pray, Father, that even as we are, are changed little bits, Lord, by beautiful things we see and experience in this life, Lord, uh, that so much more, Lord, that as we see Christ in his word, that we would be transformed from one degree of glory to another. But yet, Lord, it's not enough. Lord. It's not enough uh, to see a bit of Christ, Lord. We want all of Christ. And so please help us uh, to persevere, Lord, as we continue, uh, as, as, as we continue in the faith, Lord. Uh, Father, Lord, I, I do think uh, about our, our, our dear brothers, uh, David and, and, and Savannah, Lord, their kids, uh, Lord. Um, Father, we thank you, uh, Lord, for how they have just communicated with such clarity their uh, desire to find a, a, a church closer to them, Lord, and it's so that they can do more of this ministry, uh, Lord. We know that they even tried to move closer uh, here, Lord, but it was in, in your plan. And so, Father, we thank you, uh, Lord, for their faithfulness, for their many years of ministry here, Lord. I thank you, Lord, Lord, that while it is sad to, to, to see them go, Lord, it's not the, uh, the, the sadness of one who just leaves without saying goodbye, Lord. And so thank you, Father, for them, for us being able to continue to walk with them, Lord. We know we're going to enjoy fellowship with them in many ways uh, over many years to come. We just thank you so much for their faithfulness, for their service, uh, for, 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 for their family. And I pray, Lord, that you would indeed uh, bless them as they uh, seek to, to minister at a church closer to them, Lord. Father, we thank you for this this morning. We want to be uh, pleasing to you as we sing together. Uh, Lord, may our hearts be filled uh, with the glory that is to come. In Jesus' name, amen.